0: amen it's very good to have uh, my very good friend colin Molyneux, here uh joining us tonight uh colin as many of you know has been uh absolutely instrumental in uh, the whole building redevelopment and we're now in the uh, in a crucial crucial week or so uh because we've uh, asked the developers to make some solid responses here which they haven't quite done yet so <laughs> we'll see If they pull a rabbit out of the hat uh, uh, like they've done from time to time uh, or what will happen, but definitely be in prayer for City Temple and for the way forward. We'll be talking about a lot of things at the October church meeting and uh, uh, if things haven't uh, clearly gone in favor of the redevelopment as we now know it, then we'll be presenting a couple more options to the church at the meeting in October uh, and starting some work accordingly from that. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, You know, I've already shared that I really think that this is going to go forward, but uh, it's hard to tell and it's all in God's hands. We can't make it happen. Now, last week when I was sharing about City Temple and about all these things, uh, I wasn't sure what the Lord was going to have me share this week. And then right at the end there, I felt like the Lord said the economy. And so I've really focused on that this week and just listening to the Lord and hearing from the Lord. Uh, and this is a little bit dangerous for me. Excuse me, I going to cough. This is a little dangerous for me prophetically, because those of you who know me, No, I've done a lot of thinking about the economy, uh, really uh, quite a bit since 2008. Uh, Even if I've preached a sermon series on it with uh, on Thursday afternoons and things like that. And why it's difficult is that it's important when you're thinking prophetically that you want to hear from the Lord and share what the Lord is saying, not what you are thinking. And so I'm always wary if I feel like the Lord is saying something that is what I've always thought. Uh, And so tonight's been a little bit difficult because of that. Uh, There are some new things in here and there's some other things that may be confirmations. So we'll see. So I'm just going to share a little bit. um, And to give some background, let's talk about what's been happening in terms of the global economy here in the last few weeks. Not talking about the last few years, just the last few weeks. First of all, uh, you've probably all been captivated by the energy price rises, uh, several hundred percent uh, price rises for gas in some cases. There's talk now about uh, possible energy shortages maybe this winter. And, uh, and part of the reason for this, frankly, is that our government has failed to prepare for a rainy day. It's decreased, for example, its gas storage capacity, not increased it uh, over the years. Uh, and that's a problem. And it's very interesting that there's been a, a, a perfect coalescence of, of bad, uh, bad problems here because we've had an unusually mild uh, autumn in terms of wind. So we are not generating nearly the amount of electricity we'd normally generate through wind power. So it's, it's a real issue uh, and we're it's still too soon to say what's going to happen. Uh, don't be too worried about all these smaller energy companies Uh, having to call it quits um, that's not the worst possible thing that can happen Uh, but it's going to be a a tumultuous time Uh, the other thing and uh, I was going to point this out and then the Bank of England gave a report today that uh, they're predicting four percent this is what I was going to tell you the inflation is going to be four percent or more this year And that's what the Bank of England just reported today. Um, And uh, the question is, is this a transitory thing or is it a trend? And uh, back in the 1960s, they kept saying it was transitory, but it turned out to be a trend as most of the 1970s experienced high inflation. Uh, And so that's something to be concerned about. Now by the way, in in one sense it's already been a trend because uh since the government uh the United Kingdom, the United States, the EU, they have been printing money since two thousand and eight since the that financial crisis uh called quantitative easing, but it means that you're just kind of printing money out of thin air and where we've seen the inflation up till now, has been in asset prices, so things like stocks and equities. uh, Those have gone up extremely uh, extremely highly since uh, in the last decade, whereas most consumer goods have stayed rather stationary. But now the inflation that we're seeing is the inflation that's going to affect us as consumers more and more. And this is gonna be exacerbated a bit by the uh, United States has a $4.5 trillion, that's trillion dollars worth of spending bills and two spending bills before it at the moment. Uh, And if this money is all of a sudden flooded into the U.S. economy, that's gonna exacerbate inflation. Uh, And, you know, as they say, uh, which is true if the United States catches a cold, the rest of the world gets a flu uh, in terms of economics. So that's a, a really, these are really big issues around inflation and, uh, and, and we're going to see a lot of turmoil in this and possibly see further increases in inflation. Now, one of the other things that you may or may not have caught on to is uh, the, the, the fate of the company called Evergrande that is a Chinese construction company. It's the second largest construction company in China, and I think maybe the world. And Evergrande, uh, in the last week or so, almost collapsed completely. It's been averted for now, but uh, the, the supposition is that all of the dollar-denominated investors from outside of China that have invested in Evergrande are going to lose all their money eventually. The Chinese government will keep it from falling, failing completely. But when you think about uh, construction, particularly home construction in China, right now, there's $4.6 trillion worth of debt in the Chinese economy that's connected to housing. And, and housing itself accounts for 17% of the total GDP of China. Now to compare that back in 2007, when we had the subprime lending crisis in the United States that then influenced all of the financial markets around the world in what we call now the Great Recession um, or the Great Crash, or they call it different things. At that time, housing was about uh, about eight to 9% of the total U.S. economy. So this is a double in that. So what's happening in China right now with the housing and its economy is is very precarious. And it will be interesting to see what happens because on top of all of this, the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP under Xi Xi Jinping, is starting to reel in the economy by, you know, you might have heard of Jack Ma with Alibaba and how China has been clipping Alibaba's wings. Uh, It's starting to limit the amount of time that kids can play video games. It's limiting other activities in sectors that have generated a lot of wealth for the Chinese people over the last decade. Uh, and it's starting to play games with the Chinese economy in ways it's messing about in ways that it doesn't understand. And so we're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. And obviously that has a knock-on effect everywhere else. Of course, we're seeing right now a labor shortage in the United Kingdom as well as the United States. Uh, which means that in the United States, well, here in the United Kingdom, I think there's about a million job openings. I think that that's what I read recently. Um, So there are people that are looking uh, for for people to fill jobs, such as lorry drivers. You've all heard about the lorry drivers here recently. Um, A massive labor shortage, and that's leading to increased salary demands And also, we're going to see increasing union agitation. We have started to see that, but it's going to get worse. And, you know, my dad was in a union, and I thank God for the union he was part of. And I thank God for the good things that unions have accomplished in our world. Uh, But today, a lot of the agitation is not around better working conditions as it once was. So we'll see what happens with that. We're already seeing local and global supply chain issues. And in the midst with all of these things happening, uh, there's a rising anxiety. You see it in the markets and you you see it all around. in a lot of people, uh, a lot of consumers, uh, there's a little bit of panic buying here and there. Uh, The last thing I heard kind of ludicrously uh, in the United States, one of the areas of panic buying is around cat food. Apparently, it's hard to find cat food. And uh, so who knows? Who knows? But uh, whenever there's anxiety in any system like we have right now from COVID and from these economic upsets, uh, it will create confusion, misunderstanding, and it will cause people to be deceived. So understand to the degree that there is anxiety to that degree, everything is distorted. And that's why we as Christians have to fight anxiety so vigorously in our own lives. Because if you have anxiety, it distorts everything. And we have to understand too, that what we're in right now is not really a capitalistic system. Uh, We've got a distorted system right now that became distorted oh, 15 to 20 years ago now. Uh, And the distortion was seen in the the crisis of 2007 and 2008, uh, which is based on what the Bible calls dishonest weights and measures. In other words, parts of the economy are rigged to benefit certain segments of people. And to, to unpack that a little bit more, it would take a lot of time. But you've seen that if you've Remember, there was a scandal a few years ago about banks, certain people fixing the, the LIBOR, the uh, lending rates amongst banks. They were fixing that uh, in order to benefit certain people. That's a dishonest weights and measure. Uh, there's quite a bit of evidence that actually the gold price has been manipulated significantly downward uh, in recent years. Uh, that's another sign of a dishonest weights and measure. And so this is some of what's happening around us. And uh, this is not the prophetic stuff. That's just what I see happening. Now some of the prophetic. This is what I I really felt like God was showing me. Uh, A lot of this tonight is not a quote. It's kind of my interpretation of what I felt like I I was seeing. Uh, The first thing is that uh, the U.S., the U.K., the E.U., China and Russia, plus a number of other governments, but those are the big players, are gonna each make their own strategic economic mistakes, uh, which will create a really variable kind of turmoil. So the mistakes that that the U.S. is gonna make are gonna be different than what we make here, which will be different than the EU, and certainly different than China. China is gonna make a different order of mistakes Um, based on their their communistic ideology. But what's going to happen, because all of these various entities are making very significant level mistakes, it will create turmoil. But uh, the turmoil is going to be variable. Like in 2008, the turmoil that hit the world was pretty similar wherever you were globally, especially if you were in the West. But the kind of turmoil we're going to see in the next five years or so is going to be quite variable. Um, and this is going to make it impossible to predict what is going to happen in the economy, both regionally and globally. So you're going to hear a lot of people trying to predict exactly what's going to happen, uh, but they can't because it's so variable. And the second thing we're going to see, and we've already started to see it. But we're going to see leaders will increasingly act out of character, or in the case of like China or Russia, they'll increasingly revert to character, more authoritarian tendencies, when it comes to financial matters. And they'll start taking actions and choosing policies that are contrary to their previous beliefs and behaviors, which will again create a lot of confusion. Now, we've already seen that a little bit in, in what Boris Johnson has done with the tax increase. But we're going to see this happening more and more. Uh, I think this is especially going to happen after the election. I think it's this coming Sunday in Germany when they elect a new chancellor. And once Angela Merkel is not there, we're going to see a greater degree of variability coming uh, into the EU, which, of course, affects us. Now, one of the things, I just kind of put this in quotes uh, because it's it's kind of got me scratching my head, but I felt like the Lord said this, that Scotland will experience a discipline that will make the nations gasp. But I, that's God, I I am doing this so that I might deal tenderly with her and restore her to her rightful calling in the United Kingdom. End quote. Those of you know, I love Scotland dearly. And I pray for Scotland a lot and I think Scotland is going to see something, some really, something terrible is going to happen. And I don't know what it is, uh, but we need to be praying for Scotland and I think it's going to happen in the economic area. But again, I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, now continuing on, we will see increased and unexplainable turbulence in commodities, And commodity prices. Uh, It's going to be real turbulence, a lot of ups and downs. Now, an example of that that we've already seen is lumber. Uh, You may or may not know the price of lumber shot up, oh, like five, six hundred percent in some places in the States. Uh, It was ridiculous. Uh, And since it's just plunged back down But I think what the Lord is saying is that those kind of commodities, there's going to be a lot of turbulence and nobody's going to be able to explain it. Nobody will be able to rationalize it. In the past, you could rationalize, say, the price of copper going up because, oh, China is going to build more. And so the copper is going to go up because there'll be more demand for it. Uh, and, And so people who are watching could predict it. But I think what the Lord is saying is that this is going to be so sporadic, it will be unpredictable and unexplainable for a lot of people. Another thing, I think the Lord's saying that we are going to see an increased, I tried to find a word for this, I could picture it in my mind, Uh, I call it a disconnected segmentation in the economy, in which some segments do well, while others enter a genuine recession. Now, the the closest example of that recently has been around COVID, where you all know the hospitality sector has been hit very significantly. And so earnings in hospitality have plummeted, uh, but earnings in other areas like Amazon uh, and mail mail order, gosh, how old am I? I'm not that old. Uh, (laughs) And online ordering and things like that. you know, has skyrocketed. It used to be that our economy was pretty interconnected so that, you know, yeah, some segments might do slightly better than others, but the economy generally rose or fell together. But I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a disconnect where the rising and falling in the economy is going to be more like this kind of dynamic. I think that's what the Lord is saying, which is uh, is challenging economically. Again, it affects uh, world. It, it affects our perception of what's happening uh, in our world and in our lives. And this is one of the big ones: economic sentiments and narratives. Now, we I did that whole sermon series this summer on narratives on story, but watch this. Narratives are going to swing wildly, leading people to make foolish personal financial choices. The economy right now is driven more by the stories that people are telling than by the real movement of the economy. So right now, you're hearing everybody say, Oh, there's a, There's shortages, shortage, shortage. There's a shortage of energy. There's a shortage of drivers. There's a shortage of of fuel. There's a shortage of this. And that's part of a story that people tell. And the more people tell the story of shortages, the more people start believing it. And the more people who believe that story, it starts to change the way they behave so that their behavior can actually create the problem. Remember back in the early days of the lockdown, people were panic buying toilet paper. The shelves were bare with toilet paper. And I said at that time, don't worry about it. We have plenty of newspapers, you know, and we didn't have to worry about it. But somehow this story got out there that the shelves are gonna be bare. You know, grab your toilet paper. There's toilet paper shortages. You know, the toilet paper trees have all died from some bug imported from China. Whatever it was, it was a story, and the story was wrong. And a lot of the stories, the narratives, and the sentiments right now are swinging wildly from people saying inflation is temporary to transitory to people saying, Oh, we're going to have double digit inflation and it's going to be back. It's going to be worse than the 1970s or worse than Weimar Germany in the 1930s or worse than Zimbabwe in the early 2000s. No, it's not. But there's going to be problems and people are going to make foolish choices if they believe the stories and we're going to see great confusion among people, organizations, and markets. So watch for this. You're going to see it. And people will increasingly trust the wrong people, the wrong pundits, the wrong experts or the commentators or whatever. And so just be wary. Listen widely and be careful of the stories that you believe. Remember, for us as Christians, the overarching story is the story of the gospel. Now, here's another quote I felt like the Lord was saying. Um, Cryptos, that's cryptocurrencies, cryptos will experience a sudden loss of favor and very sharp corrections as many nations almost simultaneously legislate against them. And in brackets, I feel like this is going to be out of jealousy. Uh, But this is going to pave, but cryptos are going to pave the way for the end time economic system. So uh, be watching out for cryptos, cryptocurrencies, because I think we're going to see some pretty significant things happen there uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, Another, another item, God is going to expose serious financial corruption in Christian ministries and churches. We're going to start seeing this. Many large ministries and churches will run out of money or go bankrupt. But God will shore up financial support for many SME churches. Now, what's SME? That's not a denomination. SME is small to medium-sized enterprises. So small to medium churches, those that are healthy, God is actually going to shore up their financial support and make it stronger. Uh, but we're gonna see some pretty high profile situations of financial corruption uh, and financial collapse in some ministries. And I'll put a try to put a good spin on it, but that's part of the story. Uh, we're gonna see that. Now here again, and I think this is uh, a bit of a, a quote, uh, quote, a great economic storm is coming with shifts and upheavals more unpredictable than anything we've witnessed before. Now, people will try to compare it with other times in history, but it will be incomparable, and the comparisons will deceive those who listen too closely. God will remain faithful to his people and cause pockets of prosperity in which his people thrive. End quote. Now, by the way, I'm not saying that this is going to be the greatest financial storm that's ever happened. I don't know if it'd be like the Great Depression uh, or the recession, uh, the financial crisis of of 2008. Uh, you know, I'm not going to label that, and I don't think God wants us to label it. I think what the Lord is saying is that it's going to be significant, it's going to be felt, it's going to be global, uh, it's going to be very unpredictable uh and uh, and and kind of strange uh you you sometimes see this with a tornado in the midwest of the united states tornadoes are incredibly destructive and they'll go through a community and you'll see a, a whole swath of homes that are literally leveled and right in the middle of all these homes completely collapsed there's one standing that wasn't even touched And you think, how in the world can that happen? But that's the kind of thing that we're going to see in this. It's going to be a bit like a hurricane. And hurricanes can do the the same kind of thing in terms of their damage. I think right now we are seeing the storm coming, just like a hurricane is coming. We're seeing the edges of it, but this is not the full storm yet. So I think this is what the Lord is saying about the economy In the next several years, I don't know, I don't have a, I'm not prophesying timelines. Uh, That is a a mistake always, unless God tells you exactly. Uh, My guesstimate would be the next five years or so. Uh, I think it will settle out to some degree uh, eventually, um, uh, or maybe not, but we'll see. It depends on if it leads to, some kind of armed conflict between China and the West or Russia and the EU. Uh, no way to tell. So, I mean, that's that's what I'm seeing coming. But the other question is, what is the Lord saying about what we do about it? I mean, uh, certainly it's one thing to say it's coming, but what are we supposed to, how are we supposed to respond? And I've got a few words uh, from the Lord and some explanation. So thinking in the metaphor of storm, um, the the first thing, and this was actually one of the first things that the Lord said to me when I was asking him what to say, I, I felt like the Lord say, "Batten down the hatches," and I misspelled "batten." That's B-A-T-E-N, I think. Batten down the hatches, uh, B-A-double-T-E-N. Sorry, batten down the hatches. And what? Batten down the hatches is what you do to prepare a ship. For bad weather. It's, you close up the, the, the holds and all the entrances to the outside, and then you put a batten over it, which is like a brace that prevents water from entering from any angle into your hold to contaminate, uh, your, to fill your ship. I mean, it would sink your ship, or to contaminate your cargo. It keeps your cargo in, keeps the water out. And I think batten down the hatches means in part, to secure your finances and minimize your financial risk to prevent yourself from sinking financially. Uh, This is not a time to take a lot of risks, unless you're somebody who's very skilled at doing so, and you watch the markets on a really almost hour by hour basis. uh, I would encourage everybody to be as risk-free as possible and really make sure you're securing your finances and your financial situation. Uh, Part of that is getting out of debt. Uh, Get out of debt, if at all possible, especially consumer debt. Uh, So that's the first thing, batten down the hatches. The second thing the Lord is saying, drop anchor. Drop anchor. Now in a storm, the anchor keeps your boat in a certain position. you you deploy it in bad weather uh, when it's not safe for the crew to kind of try to steer the boat, you know, because in bad weather, it's very unpredictable. And normally what an anchor will do, it helps position the boat. So when the waves come, it takes the waves uh, from the front and not from the side, because you get a big wave coming at you from the side and it capsizes your boat. But usually your boat can ride out the storm up and down with waves in the front Uh, and so uh, you keep your anchor your anchor helps keep you in place so you don't lose ground so you don't get swept out to sea and you don't get swept onto the rocks uh, which would cause your sink to ship uh, your ship to sink (laughs) excuse me (laughs) and uh, i was reading an interesting article on this and the guy said you have to have anchor faith that is you got to believe in your anchor. And our anchor is Jesus, It's God. You know, it's like uh, Hebrews chapter 6, 17 to 20. So when God desired, desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, that is the character of his purpose and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the place, inner place beyond the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So you got to drop anchor and make sure that your anchor is in the Lord. You cannot be trusting your finances in this moment. You can't be trusting your savings and where you are. You only can trust the Lord and hold fast on him and keep doing what he tells you to do. Number three, don't panic. I feel a little bit like uh, Douglas Adams in The Hitchhiker's Guide for the Galaxy there. Uh, But we have to keep our eyes open to the storm, to what's happening. Don't try to stick your head in the sand. Keep your eyes peeled. Keep alert. But at the same time, keep your heart responsive to the Lord and do what you feel like he tells you to do. And I'm talking particularly about your finances. So if he tells you to move your investments, move your investments close a bank account and open account in another bank, <clears throat> then do that. Whatever it is you feel like he leads you, be listening to that. You can get some confirmation, you know, ask for some wise counsel, but certainly be keep your heart sensitive, responsive to the Lord. So don't panic. If you panic, if you get anxious, you will be distorted in your ability to see clearly. And then uh, the, the final thing here, stay in the safe harbor. Stay in the safe harbor. Batten down the hatches, drop anchor, don't panic. Stay in the safe harbor. Now, what is the safe harbor? It is the favor of God. So you need to be doing things and be in that which attracts God's favor. So what attracts God's favor? First, unity. Psalm 133, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Unity attracts the favor of God. That means you need to be united with God's people in a church, in a fellowship, uh, and you need to be in submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. You can't just be connected and say, I'm going to be my own person and do my own thing. You got to really be connected with the people and in submission, mutual submission, that is in full cooperation, is what the word means, with one another. Uh, The second thing that attracts God's favor is righteousness. Righteousness. Um, And righteousness is having right relationship with God and right relationship with other people. If you're out of right relationship with God or others, you're not righteous. It's all about relationships. Righteousness is about relationships. It's how we behave in the context of our relationships with God and others. Now get this, Psalm 512. For you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover him with favor as with the shield. So you need to be righteous. Another one is generosity. Generosity. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And generosity is about sharing your resources. And we can be generous even if we have little. Uh, another one is magnanimity. Magnanimity attracts the Lord's favor. It's a great word. It basically means you see it in In Philippians chapter four, magnanimity is being generous in the way you treat and deal with other people. So a magnanimous person gives grace to other people, doesn't try to crucify them for their failures or their faults, is not yelling and screaming and and doing a a Twitter tirade against people. Magnanimity is being for people. The next thing, two more things that attract God's favor, be good and do good. Uh, a good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices, he condemns. That's Proverbs 12, 2. Do good and be good. We need to be doing good every single day in our working life. And we need to be good people. People need to see us. And think, hey, that's a good person. And finally, if you want God's favor, give God your best, not the rest. Give God your best, not just give him the rest. You know, what you got left over. Uh, Malachi 1, 8, 9. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Uh, Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? We used to say, you know, if, if you told HMRC, well, you know, I can only afford to give you half of my taxes this month, but, you know, it's, it's good money. <laughs> whether, whether HMRC would accept that excuse, <laughs> I doubt. Um, present that to your governor, will he accept you or show you favor? Obviously, the answer is no. And now, entreat the favor of God that he may gra- be gracious to us, With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? So in other words, you got to give God your best, not just give him your handoffs. Uh, And that's what it means to stay in the safe harbor. Unity, righteousness, generosity, magnanimity, uh, goodness, and giving God your best. So I think these things, uh, batten down the hatches, drop the anchor, don't panic, and stay in the safe harbor. Are, is what God is saying to us as Christians in a general sense for these next few years, uh, at least these next year or two um, uh, to wait to deal with this season um, well. So uh, so that's kind of what I felt like the Lord was saying. Again it's taken a little bit longer than uh, I've, I've been hoping but uh, you know hopefully that's been beneficial. Uh, I think what I'd like to do, maybe just briefly because of this, because there's always a a question or so, is just take a moment. And uh, if somebody wants to put, I know Karen only has one more song, so we're close to the end. uh, But if somebody would like to put uh, something up in the chat, a question in the chat about anything that I've said here uh, briefly, I'll take a moment to answer those. Uh, Or Conversely, you can just send me an email or do a WhatsApp later on uh, and I'll be happy to respond to that. I think we are in a very precarious time, um, but uh, but it's also a time of great opportunity. You know, so in all of this, as I've said before, as I've said on Sundays too, uh, I'm very positive and hopeful. So even the, the things that I say coming up, Sound gloomy, but actually, it's a time where we can thrive. You know, sometimes it's going to be tough, it's not going to be easy, but it is a season in which we will thrive. And I think if we follow the guidance of the Lord about how to deal with our resources, our money, and things, um, and you know, follow the batten down the hatches, drop anchor, don't panic, and stay in the safe harbor, if we do those things, I think we'll be in a great position as Christians to flourish during this time. And I believe that that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to flourish. It doesn't mean we're all, we're going to be, you know, Jeff Bezos and have, you know, a few billion to spare. I wish he'd just give me one billion. I mean, if you just give me one, you wouldn't even miss that billion. But he would give me that one billion, I'd have a lot of good things I could do with it. Um. I might even give some of you some of it. But uh you know, but but that doesn't you know that doesn't mean to flourish just because you have a few billion. And a lot of people who have a lot of money don't flourish. But I think we as Christians are intended to flourish and God's gonna have us flourish. We'll see that. So Okay, I haven't seen any questions pop up, so I'll give you just another moment. So, uh, okay.